The Restless Midlifer podcast. Get health, weight and life back on your terms. Hi and welcome to episode 89 of the Restless Midlifer podcast. It's 2023. What happened to 2022? Just went like that, didn't it? But here we are. We were in 2023 and as always, it's about how can we move in the direction of our our aspirations, our longer term vision via those shorter term goals. But particularly at this time of year, how can we make this, you know, what tends to happen for many of us over that Christmas New Year period of that reflection, that thinking of, I want to make this a better year, that that motivation, how do we turn that into a reality? Because often what happens is the research shows us that, that we have all these intentions, we have these New Year's resolutions, so-called, and they often drop off. And the reason of that is because we, we set them in a period of hope, in a period of reflection, in a period of motivation to want to do it differently. But life continues, doesn't it? 2023, life will continue. It will be, have its ups and its downs and life will happen. And this is really where um, I want to share my food for thought, but also prime line up uh, my interview with uh, my guest this week, Rachel Williams, who is Zesty Lady um, and is a wellbeing consultant and uh, shares some great food for thought around, well, she shares her own midlife story around how she shifted from a really highly stressful, unhealthy corporate job, lots of travel, lots of you know um, late nights, corporate entertainment, um, and I won't steal a thunder in terms of the story, but how she came to realisation that this wasn't working for her and how she made that shift, which in itself, as I always love with these midlife stories, is how we can come to this point, or we tend to come to these crossroads in life, don't we? And sometimes we we can sort of push down that inner voice and carry on because we're not sure what 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 our options are. Can I do this? Can I make a change? It's always really great to hear those stories. And as well as that, Rachel shares her work now, some of what she does in terms of her work now and her approach to supporting employees and individuals and companies and businesses in raising the health bar, if you like, raising our own personal health bar and health healthiness through a, a number of aspects. And I won't steal the thunder in terms of the, the model that she, or the approach that she uses. It's really good. So we share that. So it's a great interview. And I guess that also ties in because I think 2023 is a chance just for us to take stock. And perhaps as you're listening to that interview, tap into any of those questions you might have, you know, that crossroads type question where you think... I want it to be different this year, you know, I want things to be different. Because the thing is, they can be, but it's not in the big, sexy, all or nothing, one-off decisions. Might be, if you're in a position to chuck a grenade into your life, um, but my experience of doing that is that it tends to have a lot more of the, the downsides than the upsides, and you've still got to pick up the pieces and embed the habits, build the routines and practice and rebuild that life. So I think it's about listening to that voice but then think about what can I do to move in that direction, to make some changes that can I, I can embed and start to live that life sooner rather than later in smaller increments and build on that. So think about that, and then also tap into some or listen to, into some of Rachel's um, thoughts on things like nutrition, uh, movement, all of those things, and where can you make some changes? Because or where can you pick up on some of that the advice or thoughts there to make your own changes? Because that's really where I think. We can make a real difference in 2023. You have those intentions, hopefully, those aspirations, those goals, and they might be the same ones from last year, but perhaps last year life happened and we never quite cracked that nut or we never nailed it down and achieved that goal or didn't get anywhere near it. And that's permission to be human, that's life. But the way that we do this is in small incremental moves by making the day-to-day actions and habits that we do, ensure we do, they happen we execute on them and we move in the direction of that particular vision, that goal, that aspiration. And here's where, really, I want to share my own food for thought this week on how do we do that? And I think the thing, one of the things that can undermine us significantly is the expectations we place, not only on achieving the goal, but on the actions that we take, the expectations we place on ourselves to get it right, to do it right, to do it well, to do it perfectly, to have that perfect day of eating and then the perfect day following, all that kind of thing. And to sit down and meditate and get it perfect. This this is where I want to encourage you to stop thinking about quality. Forget quality. And this might be counter to a lot of the the the, the sort of what we hear in the world of development, business, the world of work, self-development, um, is to work on being excellent and doing things better and better. And, and, and I get that and I buy into that in terms of working on building our excellence. But here's the thing, when we're trying to make change and we're embedding new habits, new things, there has to be, uh, we have to get our heads around the expectation that it will be messy. We might not be very good at it, we might be rubbish at it. And here's where 
I want to say it doesn't matter. What really matters is the doing of the do, as Betty Boo would say. Do the do. Get the thing done. What is the action or are the actions that will move you in that direction? And how can you do them anyway in small sprout sized chunks so that you make sure they happen so that you can embed them in your life and take off the pressure, the expectation of doing it right, doing it well, doing it perfect, having a perfect this, that and the other. Because that's where I think many of us can unseat ourselves. Not everybody. Uh, sometimes that all or nothing approach can work. However, for many of us, life doesn't tend to fit with that. You know, life happens, um, we have a bit of uh, news here that worries us, we have a bit of conflict there, we have some stress at work, we have a good news thing and a celebration there, we have a lovely weekend away. All of these things serve to shape the architecture of our life going forward. And trying to deny or fight against that architecture in that all or nothing way can be a real challenge. So for me, it's about, and this is what I want you to think about this week, uh, particularly as you listen to the interview, but afterwards is, what is the aspiration? Let's articulate. What's the aspiration, the goal, that you, the intention that you want to set, that you've set or you want to set for 2023? And how can you then bring that to something nearer term, a shorter term goal that will move you in that direction? I've talked a lot about that in previous episodes, so I'm not going to go over all ground on that, but check out previous episodes where I do talk about having a longer term aspiration, shorter term goal. It might be to run a 10K, to do a park run, to lose a, a particular amount of weight or get into a particular size, whatever. There's lots of different variations on the goal. There's no rights or wrongs in it. But having something shorter term to work towards, nothing rigid, something that's shorter term to work towards, but then translating that into some day-to-day -day activities, actions, rituals, or routines. Not a hundred of them, just a few, two or three, initially. And focus on translating them in. What would those actions be? What would they be? Would it be 10 minutes of meditation, a 30-minute walk? Would it be, um, I'm going to sign up and go to the gym, etc.? Whatever, whatever the actions are. How do you turn them into actions, decide the frequency, and then do them whilst parking your expectation of doing them well? Forget quality. Quality matters, but it doesn't matter when you're at the beginning. It does not matter. What matters is doing the do, as Betty Boo would say. Do the do, do the sweat the sprouts, as I would say. Sweat those day-to-day -day actions and just make that your goal. So have the shorter-term goal, but actually bring yourself down to the momentary day-to-day -day goal of just getting those habits sweated. And if you find that it's a particular, I want to eat healthy uh, in a particular day, it's not about perfection. Um, it's about... Uh, not having that, you know, I, I joked in my newsletter this week about, um, you know, you've set yourself on the 1st of January, 2nd of January, you're going to eat healthy from now on, and then you, you hoover up a bunch of after eights and um, quality street that are left over for breakfast. It happens. What is the, the difference is how we deal with that. Do we move on and think, oh, stuff it, that's the day written off, and we carry on with another day, and another day is go gone from, you know, Good intention to be perfect to the complete opposite, or to say, right, okay, do you know what? I've had a few after eights or whatever. Let's get back on it. Let's get back on it in a that, that incremental way, beat ourselves up, take off the expectation of quality and perfection, and just come back to next meal, next this, next that. So anyway, lots of food for thought there. I guess really my, my key call to action, I guess, for this week is to think about that. What is that goal? What, can it what does it translate to in day-to-day -day actions, and how can you take the pressure off of that action being any good, doing it well, doing it perfect, whatever, park that, and focus on just doing the do. Just do the do and sweat the sprouts and move forward and then build in the quality later. That comes later. The key thing about habit formation is we need to make space for them in life. It's a bit like sowing a seed. Sow the seed, water it, just ensure we water it and let it take root. Let it take root and the growth will come. And that's the same with any habit. And I would argue this applies in any realm of of uh, our lives, but I'm particularly focused on health um, uh, at this time of year in particular, but particularly with midlifers as well. So hopefully food for thought, and as I say, enjoy the interview with Rachel, and uh, take care. Hi Rachel, it's great to have you along for the uh, this episode, I've been excited to, to get you on the podcast, we've been talking about it for a little while, and I think it's just getting diaries together, etc, but it's great to have you along. Um, just to benefit the listeners, do you want to give a bit of a, an introduction to yourself, your background? Um, your own story and, and leading up to what you do now and then we'll dive in well thanks for having me today that's great um so I run a company called um Zest Lifestyle and what we do is uh work with companies to uh help them have a healthy workforce so we're in uh, we're inspiring and supporting people to to get healthy in five different pillars 
So otherwise known as my uh, five pillars of vitality, which are sleep, eat, move, think and pause. Mm. And uh, we do webinars, talks, workshops, health consultations, uh, coaching, uh, sleep clinics, all sorts of different things to help people's uh, workforces become more healthy. Brilliant. Yeah. And and to be honest, those headlines very much uh, kind of resonate straight away with them. And um, we'll dig into that if if we can in due course, yeah, because sure. uh, the, each one of them kind of strikes me as really, really important, obviously vitally important, but worth digging into. So what brought you to, to this kind of work? Tell us a bit about you and your background. Oh, gosh. Right. Well, I used to be very unhealthy up until about 20 years ago. 22 years ago <laughs> time flies <laughs> so I, I used to work in the corporate world I was working in events and marketing uh, for the telecoms industry I was working for a trade association and and I describe how my life was it was rather jet set so jet set lifestyles traveling all over Europe business class staying in five-star hotels eating in Michelin star restaurants um, and it actually took, took a toll on me because I wasn't sleeping particularly well because I was getting burnt out. Um, I had a bit of a weight problem. I was three stone heavier than I am now um, because I just like eating. <laughs> I, I didn't do any exercise because I, I was tra- traumatized from doing PE at school. So I was kind of, I say I was allergic to exercise. Uh, I used to smoke between 20 to 40 cigarettes a day. And I also used to drink probably about a bottle of wine every night to help soothe my stress so I was knocking back a bottle of Chardonnay back in the 90s and uh, <laughs> it was very popular then I believe it's come back into fashion again now yeah. but uh, so I wasn't very healthy at all and uh, I had an epiphany moment in a hotel room in Barcelona where I was actually on a site visit um, for a conference that I was organizing and I woke up this one particular morning and uh, I've been out the night before. We've been doing some customer entertaining and um, my mouth was like the bottom of a budgie's cage. It was like dry and really sort of bleh. I felt really hungover. My throat was like dry and sandpapery from smoking too, too many cigarettes. And um, I was very tired because I hadn't slept particularly well. And I think probably I'd eaten too many tapas the night before as well because um, I felt still felt full from last night's meal. <laughs> anyway I had to get up to go go for a a meeting and on my way to the bathroom I caught my reflection in the mirror I don't know what it was about this particular morning or this particular mirror or the shape of it that I just caught my reflection and I looked at myself and I thought you're not looking too healthy so I was like pale had big shadows under my eyes and I was like pinching all my sort of blubbery bits and I thought right okay we need to start to get healthy because at that stage, I was nearly 40. And um, I thought, do I want to be fit and 40? Or do I want to be fat and 40? So that was kind of my motivation to get fit. And I've been on diets for years that haven't worked, which has kind of got me to be three stone heavier than I was as well as eating too much good food. Um, So I decided to eat healthily instead of diet, uh, because I realized that diets didn't work after doing them for like 17 years or so. And uh, so I followed a program for 30 days. It's amazing what changes you can make in 30 days. And this 30 day plan has stayed with me for the last 22 years because it worked. Um, so I started to lose weight. I felt so much better, had more energy because I was eating healthy, uh, healthier, but I wasn't kind of missing out on treats either. Um, and then I had the motivation to, to join a gym, get, get myself a personal trainer. And that was a game changer. And, and that was a catalyst then uh, for me to about well, two or three years later to actually think about starting a business um, related to health, uh, teaching people exactly kind of how I got fit and healthy. So I trained as a personal trainer. Uh, I was actually inspired by mass- my massage therapist, actually. She was another little catalyst in there. Um so I trained as a personal trainer, did nutrition. I've gone on to do what I call the mind stuff, like NLP and coaching and hypnotherapy. 
in the past uh, eight years, I've got into sleep uh, doing um, cognitive behavior therapy for insomnia. Mm. I've done Pilates. So all sorts of different things which have kind of helped me build my business as it is today. So that's kind of my my story. Wow, there's loads there. And, <laughs> In a nutshell, um, I'm, I'm thinking where do I where do I start? Because I think there's such a lot. But it's 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 a for me that's a, a fantastic story um, of how you know of how you can get to a place living a particular lifestyle, and then it, it can take a couple of things like you say the catalysts and the the epiphany moments, those kinds of things that can lead to some change, which I'm fascinated with. So before we before I maybe dig into that, you mentioned that the exercise thing and a PE trauma type thing. Now, I think, I would, you know, if you don't mind, if there's anything to share there, that would be great because I think that that's actually something that probably many of us have had in, in one form or another. I was one of those kids that was never, you know, I was never fit, athletic, going to be a footballer or whatever. And I still shudder sometimes when I think about PE. In fact, when you mentioned it, I, I kind of inwardly shuddered because it brought, don't even know what particular memory it brought back. It probably brought back a feeling. Well, yeah. what? Tell us a little bit, if you know, if that's okay. Well, I, I'm over. I'm only five foot three, so I'm quite short. And making me try to do hurdles isn't such a good idea because I just knock them over. <laughs> <laughs> or, or making me do long jump or high jump. I mean, it's, it's a waste of time. So there was that. The sort of you know banging into hurdles and sort of bruising your legs. And and then uh, being picked on sports day to throw the shot put. <laughs> I, at that stage, I wasn't actually really overweight. And uh, so there was a bit of a stigma associated with that. And then um, it's funny, I, I, I didn't like team games. So I wasn't into hockey um, or netball or uh, lacrosse. Um, so I just didn't enjoy those types of things. But what I did enjoy is things like swimming and tennis. But I wasn't encouraged to better myself. And um, I always felt that the, the PE teachers always had their favourites, you know, the sort of the, the little sort of champions of the school, or the county. Oh, and another thing that I was quite good at was cross country running because I'm a plodder. So I had the stamina. But then um I used to be okay at doing, say, like the 1500 metres, but I found that so boring just running around a track. Mm. Plus, our sports field was right next to um, a milk processing factory. So you have this horrible smell of, like, boiling milk. <laughs> right. yeah. And it used to make you feel so sick. So it's like, ugh, athletics, no way. But I, I used to enjoy tennis because that wasn't anywhere near that uh, sports field. Uh, swimming, yeah, and cross-country running, but... I wasn't um, kind of nurtured to to really sort of do more with them. Hmm. Yeah, well, I, it, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, I, I think I'm like you. I'm probably not a team, a big team. I was never a team sports person, but I was very much better on my own, which is, I guess, although I was never a runner as a kid, it was something that I drew, was drawn to later because you could just do it on your own, you know? Yes, exactly. And, and I quite like that. <laughs> I always joke that I'm a bit of a loner and my mates laugh at us, but I think there's an element of just, I like to get out and just not have to think about those kinds of things. Yeah. So, but you're right. I think it's, it's those formative experiences, isn't it? That, that can kind of shape and then move through, they come with you through life and mm-hmm. help shape your attitudes and your, 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 the way you act and whatever through life. So that's, that's interesting, isn't it? Because I, you mentioned, but before I get to that, actually, because I, I wouldn't mind sort of the, the epiphany moment and, and the gym and the, the the PT exploring that. But you mentioned about the diet side of things and realizing that it didn't work. Um, what was it? What was that journey about in that particular angle as well? Because I think that's interesting and important to explore. Yeah, do you know what? I mean, there's so much conditioning that goes on when we're we're kids from our from our parents, and um, my mum was brought up during the war. So there was this whole thing about you don't waste anything. So you ate everything on your plate. So everything that was put in front of you, you ate. So that was lesson number one that you learned. And then lesson number two, in the 60s and 70s, dieting came in. So my mother was obsessed with eating a thousand calories a day. I mean, she didn't eat them, but she was always counting up her calories every day. So that was lesson number two that went into my head as part of my conditioning around food. Mm -hmm. um 
and then I love food and, um, you know, I love to cook, I love to eat out. And I actually initially went into hospitality uh, when I first started my career. And um, so I think those two things kind of just confused me and I just mm. didn't sort of get to grips with just eating sensibly. So I'd be sort of binging and then kind of trying to starve myself, which was actually no good at all. And then um, I was bullied and I was told I was fat when I wasn't. Um, I think it was just that um, as a as a female, I was developing probably a little bit faster than some of my peers. And uh, so I was called fat. So that went into my head, the sort of little earworm. So that actually caused me uh, to become um, almost bulimic. And uh, so I actually abused my body with laxatives, which is like not a good thing to do because I'd sort of like binge and then I'd purge my system. So it just like sent me, um, you know, crazy with, you know, just trying to get a grip on my on my weight because one minute I'd be overweight. Next minute I'd be, um, well, not so overweight. I wouldn't say I was skinny. I've never been skinny, but. It wasn't really until the age of 37 that uh, in the year 2000 that I thought, do you know what? Why why am I listening to all this unconscious stuff in my head about who I should be, what I should be doing? Why don't I, why don't I just do what I want to do? And I kind of worked out that, you know, all the um, the diet books, you know, I did things like the cabbage diet very pleasant to be around or eating boiled eggs, uh, eating apples, um, Weight Watchers. Weight Watchers actually um, encouraged me to have a Twix addiction. <laughs> I know I used to really bother with chocolate and then it was like, oh, you can have a finger of Twix. It's only three points. And then I was like completely obsessed with having a finger of Twix every day. It had to be in the fridge at two o'clock. It used to come out of the fridge and the toffee was all nice and hard and the chocolate was all nice and cold. Um, so it took me a while to get rid of that addiction. Um, but once I got over that and decided to, that actually healthy eating is probably a better thing to do, um, then that was kind of, that was it. And do you remember, so back in the um, 80s and 90s, we used to have book clubs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I got this free book mm-hmm. and it's called The Detox Diet uh, by, I think it was called Jane Alexander. And it was all about healthy eating. It wasn't like sort of detoxing where you just live on juices or smoothies or whatever for days on end. And this was just eating proper food. And I was actually eating more food um, than I would be if I was dieting. Uh, And that was kind of what got me into the healthy eating. So it was only 30 days. I thought, I'll just try it for 30 days. See if it works. Oh, my God, it worked. (laughs) Right. It's interesting. You know, you you mentioned a few things there, and I think – the, the 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 diets became a thing and yes. I, I mean I, I was born in the 70s so you know it started to become very in vogue around about then and mm-hmm. and onwards but you mentioned laxatives as well and I remember um you know I was in that teen years it never affected me but certainly people I knew particularly my then girlfriend first wife um you know th- there was very much around using that and not you know the, the the circle that they were in as mm-hmm. just not you know that's what you did you know just yeah. to to I don't know to lighten so you could go for your your way in at whatever group um and you know naivety you didn't realize etc but when you look at it and, and things like you mentioned nearly bulimic and I think this is interesting because I, we've got eating disorders mm-hmm. which you know categorize they can be categorized for, for a certain people but there's also disordered eating Yes. which probably affects a lot more of us, you know, yeah. and, you know, I've certainly experienced that. Um, and I think it's, it's that, that we fall in that chaotic style of, of living and eating and, and whatever to achieve this perception or, you know, based on the bullying you mentioned, things like that. I think that's such a common thing. And th- this is something I'm interested in because I'll be interested in just dig- digging a little bit into what worked around that that 30 days. Mm-hmm. But for me, I think this is a lot of what I've had to, to unravel mm-hmm. in my own work, but also with clients is around our relationships with ourselves, but also in relation to food and how we view ourselves around food and alcohol, because that, that ties in as yes. well. Um, there's guilt, the shame, there's um, should I, could I, what I, you know, that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of it is about unraveling that and trying to unpick it. Yes. You know? So, so what, what was it? 
it sounds like obviously that that 30 days was quite was really formative or instrumental in the change but anything that you particularly pick out that that just clicked with you or helped that um instead of like buying um low calorie or diet ready meals that you just sort of stab and stick in the microwave that it was like just cook proper food no yeah. eat proper chicken with some vegetables yes it's going to be a bigger portion but actually do you know what it's going to do you far more good. It's going to give you the nutrients you need. So I think I was nutrient deficient right. because I wasn't eating properly. And um, and just trusting that this thing was just for 30 days. Um, and also uh, understanding things like, actually, do you know what? Things like cheese aren't bad for you. It's just having the right portion size. Uh, or making them a part of your meal instead of snacking on, you know, chunks of cheddar because you think it's good, um, you know. But but I, I'm the person that doesn't snack. And where I used to be an emotional eater, it was just eating properly and understanding that this is what my body needs is, you know, as I say, it was a game changer because um, I didn't feel hungry. I lost my cravings for things, uh, things like, um, I guess, sugary things that, yes, I could have them if I wanted to have them as a treat once a week. But it wasn't kind of like having that that treat every day, that that finger of Twix every day that I had to have. Um, Mm. To me, that was just a sort of a necessary addiction rather than being a treat. It wasn't something that I enjoyed. Um, that was something I, I did it every day instead of doing it, you know, like on a Saturday or a, or a Sunday or whatever. So um, I think it's just like this. This thing was just something I just followed. It was the meal plans. You just well, you just picked all these sort of different things and planned your food, and that was it. Really, I just found it so easy and a lot less complicated than doing a diet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you mentioned there about um, like real food and it and it satisfying the physical needs. I also think that because that, we eat, the food is more than just the physical nutrient part of it. There's the emotional and the social and, and that real food side. When you cook something decent, it, I've done it myself when, you know, sometimes you think, oh, sort of we'll get a takeaway. And you think, yeah. but if you if if on the days we kind of go, no, no, let's let's actually make something you've you, we've commented a number of times like this is so much better than you know and it's because it's it's because it yes it satisfies in terms of the health and the nutrient side but it's tasty it's natural it's there's a lot more to it isn't there you know the, there's the emotional side and the and lots that go into that and I think that's really important because it, it it is that getting past the the constantly monitoring what we're eating in terms of is this right am I doing it right but you know and I must I've got two points so I must use it for chocolate or I must use it for this yeah it kind of really resonates and it's it's an interesting thing about how we come to to break those those little cycles or addictions as you call them I think um really challenging so that 30 days obviously was was instrumental and it led you on it seemed to be the snowball I like the idea as well that you 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 were saying that you you saw this it's only 30 days which is is I, I like the idea of chunking the journey down you know like you know I can do this for a week I can do this for this obviously not to the extent where you're stretching yourself so that when you come to the end you snap back but you're breaking the journey down aren't you yeah. so after that you said you got a, a personal trainer and what have you um what was that the kind of a build-up from the seeing yourself and the results that you got within the 30 days and the shift yeah. what made you- well it was it's quite funny um my um husband at the time <laughs> <laughs> uh, was a chef and um, he got a job uh, for the local sort of squash and rackets club so as a result of him becoming employed by them um, I could get a cheap gym membership and he was going to be working um, evenings uh, and weekends so I thought well do you know what if he's there I might as well go there and try and negotiate the gym okay. I did try to do it by myself um but you know you, you kind of there's me sort of feeling a bit dumpy and my big t-shirt and my leggings and there's all these sort of snooty women in their lycra <laughs> and uh, I thought well I have a go on the treadmill and sort of put it on and then did it far too fast and literally <laughs> skidded off the end it was a bit of a Bridget Jones moment um 
but I thought, okay, I need help. And actually, the staff were really nice because um, my husband, was, then husband, uh, was on the management um, committee. So, uh, well, sorry, on, on the management. And uh, so the manager of the gym sort of took me under his wing and then worked with me as like a personal trainer to kind of show me how to use the weights properly. I didn't know even know how to use a dumbbell properly or do a bicep curl properly or do a chest press or a shoulder press. So uh, it, it was just great that I kind of learned what to do. And then to see the results uh, from that was just incredible. Brilliant. And, and uh, you mentioned about the dumbbells and the weights. And I think that's an important one, because one of the things we've I've covered a couple of times on the podcast in the past, and it's been something that's been mentioned when I've been talking to clients, etc., is but particularly the resistance training and yeah. benefits for for midlifers, um, you know, yeah. kind of thing, but particularly women as well, which is something that perhaps perception-wise, and I think potentially which maybe arose from the 80s in particular, um, that it's all cardio and it's all got to be that kind of thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Burn, burn, baby, burn time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, well, actually, uh, my my new husband, husband number two, and myself, <laughs> we've we've actually just got a personal trainer. We've had him for about um, seven seven weeks, and uh, because we just like needed a, a nudge in a, in our fitness, and it's incredible the the difference it makes when you you either get pushed or you push yourself, and. Um, I actually posted some stuff on my personal Instagram uh, account today of me actually working out at Zesty Lady because uh, I, I kind of feel proud of myself because I'm 59. I'll be 60 in less than a year. Well, 11 months. And I feel proud that I've kind of got I've got muscles on my back that show that I'm just feeling stronger every, every day from actually just pushing myself and yeah resistance training is is key but also using um doing balance training as well flexibility because as we get older i look upon all this as being like an investment in my future that if i can minimize the risk of having falls and having strong bones then it's kind of i've done something to help myself uh because one of the other reasons why i decided to get healthy other than that sort of moment I had in that hotel room in Barcelona was even back in the year 2000 I was thinking as I get older because I was seeing my parents age I don't want to be a drain on the NHS Mm. and you see the mess the NHS is in at the moment so it's my responsibility to keep as healthy as possible I, I can't control anything genetic that's kind of stored up inside me but if I can do everything possible to make sure I'm sleeping properly make sure I'm exercising make sure I'm exercising in the in the right way I'm eating the right foods 80% of the time but I'm still having fun by eating what I want 20% of the time you know I'm regulating my alcohol um I'm looking after my stress levels and um I'm also taking time out to 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 rest as well which is basically the five pillars so I feel responsible to myself but also responsible to my clients to show this is the way you can Mm. live your life you know it's it's not hardcore you don't have to um run marathons or anything like that but actually just kind of looking after um your body um is so important Mm. but well body and mind yeah, and I think that's that sounds like a really strong sort of motivator for you, a strong why, which I think is a, a big part of this. For me, for the midlifer, it's about the midlife and beyond. It's about the investment. I like the way you said that, the investment. Um, Simon Ward, who's been a guest on here earlier in the earlier episodes, he's a triathlon coach and a high-performance coach. He talks about paying into your physical pension. And yeah. I think it's one of the few pensions that, well, probably the only pension for want of a better label that I know of that you can you pay into and actually while you're paying in you're getting a return on it anyway you know yes absolutely so it's kind of double whammy isn't it and I think that's the point it's midlife and beyond to have the adventures and enjoy but also pay into that so we can give ourselves a fighting chance the best chance we can for for being as fit and healthy as we can in the future I think that's a brilliant way to look at it yes because the um I was I was doing some um work for a company a couple of weeks ago it was about men's health and on average, men, their life expectancy is 80. Um, but 
from the age of about 63, they'll start to be, they'll start to have health problems. So what can you do to make sure that you don't have 17 years of ill health on average? Yeah. Yeah. Apart this planet. <laughs> yeah, because it's not just lifespan, but it's health span, which is not my phrase. That's um, yeah. a phrase I picked. I think it's Peter Atia, Dr. Peter Atia, um, uh, that uh, he's big into this and he talks about exactly that. And, you know, it's like when's the best time to plant a tree? Well, 20 years ago, but when's the next best time is now, you know, whatever age you're at, what can you do now? And you said it's not hardcore. And I think that's really important because. The, the old program and, and condition of it's got a, it's no pain, no gain, burn baby, but whatever these things are, we, or, you know, you have to be a thousand calories and all of this. It's actually not true. Let's try and take that pressure off and focus on the foundational and the basics. And if I can get into that very quick, uh, very shortly, but the one thing I just wanted to kind of touch on was your journey with alcohol. You know, you mentioned the Chardonnay and now moderation. Is there anything yeah. worth exploring there just from that? Because that is something that I find a you know, I've had my own challenges with it, mm-hmm. uh, but also it does come up with busy, stressed out midlifers who are just looking to reclaim a bit of health, you know? That, that's that's right. Well, it's kind of the behavioural side of, of stress that we use alcohol and food as a sort of um, to to help us when we're feeling emotional, we're feeling stress. So I'm feeling stressed, so I am going to have some more chocolate or I'm feeling stressed in the evening because I have a really stressful day at work. So I'm gonna have a glass of wine, which is gonna help sort of calm me down and make me feel good. Actually, you're just really kind of numbing, numbing the senses as it were. You know, some people say, well, you know, before I I know I've drunk a bottle of wine, which is exactly, you know, what I, I used to be like. So um, it, it's kind of, it's like, well, what is the cause? Because all you're using food and alcohol for is like a sticking plaster for the stress. That's That's the effect. So it's like, well, what is the cause of the stress? So we're never ever going to get rid of stress. We all know that we need it in our body to, for, for survival and positive stress is good. But it's like, how can you change the way you feel? What's got to happen for you to feel um, a lot, you know, feel better? And, you know, for me, it was getting fitter and healthier because um, I was, sort of, you know, as I mentioned before, I was heading for burnout. And eventually it was for me to change my job. And right. uh, this is how I kind of ended up doing what I'm doing. Because uh, I was thinking, well, shall I start my own event business and just become a freelancer and just pick and choose the jobs that I wanted? But actually doing the health thing um, was just the right decision for me. Hmm. So it is it's find out what what is the cause and what can you do about it? Yeah. drink isn't the answer and then the other thing is people don't realize how much they drink they don't understand how many units of alcohol there are and things so um whenever i'm talking about alcohol um i always sort of bring up a slide that sort of has most people's favorite sort of tipples so whether it's a pint of beer uh a shot of gin or whiskey or glasses of wine um so we're only we're not supposed to have any more than 14 units of alcohol per week and that would equate to um say i think oh gosh in a pint i think it's two pints uh two points in a pint depends on the strength and with wine red wine um can be about two and a half three per glass depending on how big your glass is you know wine glasses can be big they're big for a reason because um you're only supposed to put a little bit in and you're supposed to be able to smell the bouquet <laughs> from the wine. They're not supposed to be like filled right up to the top because you could get like two glass, two glasses of wine out of a bottle, you know, with some of these. But, um, you know, it's having, you know, drinking it properly and enjoying it. That's my thing um, with, with wine that I can't just drink it and just knock it back how I used to. Um, so it's thinking about, you know, OK, if you want to have a drink, then a shot of gin's okay, a single shot. So get a little measure, a jigger. You can get more of um, that famous online store called Amazon. Mm. Um, and so so then if you are kind of measuring your, your tipples, then you know exactly how much you've had. So for example, 14 units for a bottle of wine, uh, for, for wine per week, is just over a bottle of wine. And some people can get through that in, a, in an evening. Um, so I would say stick to gin. <laughs> But then you've got the tonic as well. But for me, you know, I, I very rarely drink during the week. Um, 
and then I'll have some at weekends but it's not binge drinking because mm. binge drinking you know you just don't want to overload your liver your liver is a wonderful organ it is does as a 500 different functions it's like don't abuse it <laughs> yeah 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 and it's uh, it, it's one of those where you, you went you mentioned there about what what's the cause and how yeah. what can we do about it and I think for many that there's the initial stress management that it becomes that just habitual resort but there's also other stories that we're also bringing back because yeah. of the pressure we're under the story so it's kind of trying to unravel that but then practically speaking what can we do yeah and so that could be there's a whole range of things that might be abstinence for some yeah it might be changing the job or a bit of all of the above but also it could be just right let's let you know I do like for me I'm not at the point where I want to sort of pack in drinking, but I do know that um, uh, it can be at times, if I'm not careful, it can become habitual and the default again. So it's how do I manage that? Because I enjoy a beer. I love a red wine, but I've realized that that's like probably one of those things that I can too easily drink too much of it. Whereas a beer and nurse, I can kind of somehow subconsciously manage how much I'm actually drinking. Do you know what I mean? A bottle or something like that is fine. So I think it's kind of finding your way, your thing, but also knowing the trade-offs you're making because sleep is, is something obviously we've talked about and you mentioned about the sleep and, and the CBT side of it. Obviously, alcohol just knacks that up. Let's face it. There's a technical term, but it knacks it up, doesn't it? It just, it doesn't. It, so you're trading, you're making decisions to trade off. And I think part of this is to kind of consciously accept that you're doing that if you are going to do it, to own it. In that sense, and I think that that's really helped me, particularly over the last few years, to kind of just go, okay, well, yeah, if I want to be here, right? but you, I know what the trade-offs are going to be. So, yeah. you know, am I, I comfortable with that? Okay, well, I do want to do the CrossFit and have the energy for that. So you kind of have a bit of a a workaround for that to, yeah. to come to it. Now, for some, that might be, look, I just can't do it because I can't manage it, and it's just non-negotiable type of thing, you know. So yeah, I think it's really important to to acknowledge that. Just just on sleep, then you meant because we're talking about some of the pillars. I don't know if we'll get through them all to, today, but sleep's obviously very close to my heart, and, and it's very very it's an issue with uh, clients and how to get it better. What's your approach to that? Any particular tips? And you mentioned insomnia and CBT. Now that's obviously a very specialist area, um, and insomnia is a condition that needs professional support in that sense you know the yeah. basic tips aren't going to solve the, the underlying problem for insomnia so give us some thoughts on that on sleep and, and insomnia yeah well um midlifer females um, obviously are going to go through menopause and that's a massive thing that will screw up your your sleep and and that's really how i got into um sleep because suddenly I wasn't sleeping because I was suffering from night sweats and palpitations in the middle of the night. Uh, so I just got tired, more, more and more tired and I just couldn't get a handle on it. So number one for me was to seek help um, with um, trying to get the symptoms under control. But then um, I guess I didn't know all the things that I know now about sort of making sure you get a, 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 um, a good night's sleep you know, bedtimes were all over the place. And, um, but also I kind of trained, my brain was almost unconsciously trained to think oh, if I wake up in the night, big, oh no, I've woken up in the night. I'm never going to get back to sleep again now. So you were, you're, you're like talking yourself into um, not um, sleeping. And actually when I was going through my periods of not sleeping, I just read loads of books on sleep because <laughs> I was fascinated by it. <laughs> and uh, really like bored myself to death but um, but actually no I, I found it absolutely fascinating I just read, read book after book on on sleep but you know the main thing and it is all about discipline is um it's making sure you have a good bedtime routine I cannot stress that enough and for people who are suffering from insomnia it is finding that sweet spot with your sleep it's like give yourself an eight hour window and this is what professor Ma um, matthew walker from the book who wrote why we sleep and i've seen him speak um at a lecture as well and it, it, it's like have that eight hour window go to bed at the same time every night wake up every at the same time every morning even at weekends because our brains don't understand weekends and our brains love routine they're quite boring and and it's just make sure you do it make sure you wind down before you go to bed bed at night 
don't go from watching um, some thriller on TV and then ex- or watching the news and then expecting to fall asleep. It's not going to happen. Mm. So it is that whole discipline. So, um, you know, people go, oh, well, you know, I might if I buy this really expensive um, pillow spray, that's going to help me sleep. No, well, it may be. It might be a placebo effect. But actually, it's the routine that's really important. Mm. And then um, how you shape your day is obviously going to affect how you sleep. And, um, you know, I, I used to sort of wake up in the morning and um, I used to do a little bit of meditation. Uh, I used to write in a journal um i used to read a bit sort of um just kind of you know what can i learn today type of stuff and then i i got into running as well at this, this time thought i thought well okay let's just try a five ten minute run and i got into my running and um so and not drinking like loads of wine before i go to bed you know that's not going to help so it's before you try anything you seek maybe professional help help yourself or Maybe you need somebody like a coach to tell you exactly what you need to do. It's a bit like having a personal trainer for sleep. Yeah. Um, so it kind of work out what you need, but actually you can help yourself by having this strict bedtime routine, relaxing um, before bedtime. What is it that you're doing during the day that could screw your sleep up? But there are other things that can help. And one of the things that um, I always get asked at, um, when I'm doing webinars I get asked is um what do I think of weighted blankets and it's like I don't know I thought they were a bit of a gimmick um however I bought one a few weeks ago and I love it (laughs) Mm. (laughs) because it helps kind of relax you um I find that I'm getting a better quality sleep from it um so do your research and um you know that's something that might help but do the routine first do it's like how how can you lose weight unless you eat healthier food or eat the right type of food? Um, or how can you get fitter if you don't do exercise? The same with sleep, have that routine. <laughs> no, I, I think I love everything you say there, and I think it, made, it struck me that sometimes we we there's a it's not my again it's not my phrase, and I'm going to convert it for dollars to pounds. But sometimes we step over pounds to pick up the pennies. We yeah. focus on the little changes that, and I'm I'm big into sprout sweating. Makes there's more but significant changes, but sometimes there are more. There's some sprouts have more clout, as I call it. You know, there are some things that you, we kind of just almost ignore or choose to avoid in favor of buying this or using that. Yeah. And actually, it's something like, you know, I'm trying to, I want to get back into eating healthier, et cetera, but I'm still drinking a lot. Well, we kind of skirt around that and yeah. try and change other things instead of the, the one thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's particularly true with the sleep thing. You're right. It's the basics. And I love that. Matt Walker, I love his stuff. He's got a great podcast out, out at the moment, the Matt Walker podcast, funny enough, um, which is really good because he's chunked down a lot of his sleep stuff over a good long, number of episodes. And it's lovely to refresh on it as well. But he, I remember listening to him in one podcast and he said one of the things that he's come around to appreciate more and more is exactly what you said, the pre-bedtime routine. Because in his early days with his research, he talked about a lot of things, but didn't really highlight or emphasize that. But he's come to believe that that is one of them is a foundational thing, you know, and I think it's so important. You're right. Get those, get the times the same. Get a routine that's familiar that's the same that's restful that brings you down you know all of those things that are building it and and he talks about creating the window the opportunity for sleep and try not try not to put yourself under pressure to be asleep yeah give yourself a window for sleep so that there's less of that pressure that we had you know i think that that's a really powerful way to look at it yes Um, because no one actually sleeps eight hours um you know yeah. but on average it's an average time so it's not that everybody's supposed to have eight hours of sleep and if you don't sleep eight hours then you know that's it but um you know that relaxation time so for me my sweet top a sweet spot is lights off at 10 or quarter past 10 you can have about a 15 20 minute sort of window of difference and wake up at six so i'll naturally wake up at, at six most mornings and that time at nine o'clock switch the telly off start getting ready for bed I like to read before I go to sleep so that's my kind of my way of relaxing I tend to read rubbish books that are just like nice stories <laughs> send me off and um and then that that's kind of it you know that is my hour of restfulness um and if I do watch kind of thriller st- type stuff I'll tend to watch it earlier on in the evening because my brain needs time to sort of 
forget about what I've just seen. And so yeah. maybe that's from kind of seven till eight, I'll do that. And then eight till nine, it'll be nice stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get that. And I think this is important as well for a lot of lot of people that I've worked with and, and worked with over, over the years, is, to be fair, is the workloads, the shifts they work, this kind of thing. It's very difficult to get to get this nailed. But having, one of the things I've found is to take the principles, say for a shift worker, take the principles and apply them to, you know, you might be a night shift, but still repeat your pre, I call it the pre-Zen time routine, your pre, what you do, still mimic the same thing. So you might be working a night shift or a late shift and coming into bed. So some of the challenges I've had are people sort of working from home on a night shift and, you know, the commute is from one one bedroom to another. Do you know what I mean? And and so we build in the same routine that yeah. they would on a normal day. So it's not perfect, but it's just trying to help with the routine because we are routine habitual creatures. Yeah. So I love that. And um, I, I, we've talked around, I, I mean, in terms of the pillars there, I'm, and I'm conscious of time here, but we talked around the pillars probably in roundabout sort of ways, but th- this to me makes total sense. So you've got the eat side of the, the eat pillar, which is, yeah. I guess, what we've talked about, you know, getting the more natural foods, yeah. trying to get away from the all or nothing kind of, Yes. The stuff I'm inside of things. Yeah. Uh, the move, mm-hmm. uh, sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it? It was there was pause in there. What was the what was the fifth one again? Think. 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 Yeah. So, so that's that's all about managing your stress, mental health. Right. Right. So way- the, go on. Give us a, give us a few headlines on that because that, that again that's a really important area to, yeah, to tie so in a whole lot of them as well. I I wanted when I. So I came up with these. I wanted sort of snappy names for each of them. And I used to sort of say, you know, have more resilience. But um, think for me is the way you think and feel is what drives your actions, what drives your behaviour. So if you can change the way you think and feel, then that's obviously going to change that behaviour or those those actions. And, you know, in, in my own experience of the way that I've, I've changed over the years, that um, it, it's amazing how powerful that is, that if you can pause, so we can bring in pause into this mm-hmm. one, pause and then think about how do I want to change? Because you can change, but you've got to kind of think about what you're going to do, how you're going to do it what your big why is. Mm. And I think that's the big thing is why are you doing this? Because if you haven't got that why, that's that, that's that foundation brick that sort of holds everything together really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really, uh, well, there's loads there. There's a really important point. And I think think and pause in particular are good bedfellows because this is something that I've realized even recently in the last year or so. Um, but I think for a lot of us, there's so there's so much out there that we can be constantly having input, you know, into the brain. I go for a run, I put music on or an audio book, or I I'm sitting, I'm listening to a podcast, I'm doing a puzzle on the whatever, you know, there's so much time for input. So I often kind of think sometimes you do have to pause the inputs and just pause yourself to allow yourself to work out what do I think in the first place? Yeah. Because, you know, we, we, we don't often give ourselves a chance to process the stuff we're taking in. Yeah. And then when you kind of start to work out what you think, what you're saying there is then we can start to shift and make the changes as well by the sounds of that, you know, that, yeah. that changes to thinking. So I love that. So those two seem to be really powerful. So in terms of pause, what, what are some approaches to that? You know, and how, how can we build that into life and our day? Yes, well, the pause pillar is quite an interesting one because um, at the beginning of the year, I, I wanted to have rest as as my fifth pillar because I thought, well, I need another pillar <laughs> because there were things that weren't fitting just in, yeah. in the think side of things. And uh, I've been reading a lot about rest. And um, and then I thought, well, there's there's more to it. And it wasn't actually until my father passed away in in April and I... I, I had to like pause life for a moment. And I I had this epiphany moment um, out of kind of this, you know, the few weeks after he passed away, the sort of the grieving process. And I went into overwhelm and I thought, I've just got to stop. I've just got to stop and just be. And then I thought, this is my fifth pillar, pause. I'm pausing. So it's just put a stop on everything. 
And then pause ended up sort of I started thinking about pause and thinking, well, this is my time to reflect, to reflect about him and our time together, you know, growing up and, you know, all sorts of things like that. It was a time for rest. Um, it was a time for relaxation because he'd been poorly for a, quite a while. So I needed to to rest. And then I suddenly thought, oh, my God, these are like all the words that begin with RE. Recharge, re this, re that. And um, when I was pausing, <laughs> I was actually coming up with all this stuff. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, my God, this is just absolutely amazing. Because, you know, when we stop, these are the things that we need to be doing or maybe we want to do um, or should do. Um, but um, it just opened up this 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 whole thing. So. So for me, pause can be just pausing and stopping. You can do it for a few seconds could do like some breathing techniques or we could do it for a few minutes you could do it for a few hours maybe it's a few days or a few weeks maybe it's something that you've got to pause um mm. like maybe pausing sugar for 30 days mm. um mm. uh, i was speaking with a client uh, a few months ago and she goes oh well, i don't want to have to give up all this stuff i said you just put it on pause if that's all you've done you just put it on pause for a few weeks and then see how it goes. Mm. Um, and then it could be bigger things like pausing a relationship. Um, you know, so I paused a relationship five and a half years ago and then decided that relationship wasn't working. So um, got divorced and met the man that I'm married to now. So, you know, sometimes it's, it is big things that you have to pause. So yeah, that's pause. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so much behind these one. No, six no, no. Words, aren't they? <laughs> this is the power of them, I think, though, because um that that pause can be everything from like you say 30 seconds to to something like we might be drawn to do towards the end of the year anyway, because at the time of recording we're in December and hopefully it'll lay sort of mid to late December but it is a natural time I think where we kind of not for everybody because it depends on what you're doing work-wise and where you're at in life but it's often a time to reflect and to find that pause time and for me it's how do you make that as quality pausing as possible yes. and you yes. don't just fill it with more stuff whether fill it with alcohol or food or or distraction it's actually the quality of the pause giving yourself that space yeah. 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 I think there's something really powerful in that. And it's something I've just introduced myself. You, you know, you mentioned getting up, getting up on the morning, etc. One of the things I've just started doing is just when I get up is just sitting for a, with a nurse and a cup of coffee and not really expect, not putting pressure on to do anything, but just pausing and seeing what floats up. And it's been amazing what surfaces in my thinking mm. that shapes my potential my actions in the day, but also it makes me think, hang on a minute. I'm focused on this and actually, you know, and you kind of shape and change and you realize the direction you're going when you're busy isn't always the right direction. Yeah. So that's the power of the pause, isn't it? So I love that. I love that. I love those foundations, actually. And and um, I guess I'm conscious, obviously, we're coming up to, to time here, but there's been such a lot there. So thank you for sharing your story. And it's kind of weaved in. It makes total sense in relation to what you're working on now, because um <sighs> you're passionate about it you've got that purpose and also these are key pillars that we can all carry in particularly yeah. I think for midlife and beyond um and perhaps we haven't been the best that we could have been at some of those areas but let's put away the guilt and, and the garbage we've learned and try to reshape it into those that, those healthier approaches so I love that so any any part and thoughts and any you know in terms of anybody who wants to pick up and get in touch with you learn more about you connect with you etc where's a good place we'll put all of this in the show notes as well by the way so, so hopefully by the time this goes out my new website will be up zest lifestyle.com um you can find me on social media um i have to remember all my handles now i'm zesty lady well you'll find well that's my personal uh, account um oh boy, it's it, too late now unless you want me to edit this uh, then, then then the professional account with all the health tips is right. uh, at zest underscore uh, lifestyle um otherwise connect with me on linkedin so it's rachel williams but um you might be able to find me under zesty lady as well Okay. It was a name that kind of somebody came up with and it's just stuck. <laughs> I, like yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like I like zest as well because it just speaks to that that zip and that spirit of yeah. whatever that that we for me as a restless midlifer, it's rekindling that, getting that That's zest right. back. Yes, That's and it, and it is all about 
um, energy. And, you know, what I'd say to people, do you know what? It's never, ever too late to, to get fit and healthy. I mean, I only really started in my late 30s. And every sort of decade, I kind of try to make each decade better. Um, my sort of late 40s, early 50s, where I was sort of going through really bad symptoms with menopause, that was kind of like set me back a little bit. But I'm kind of back on track again now. And, you know, life is for living and we're only on this planet for a short amount of time. So it's just like go out and live your life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Enjoy it. <laughs> couldn't finish the podcast in a better way so <laughs> thank you thank you for your time rich it's been mint it's been great You're I mean, so welcome. yeah it's been great to catch up and lovely to go to, to talk through those things i think the, our listeners will get a lot from it so as always uh listeners any thoughts feedback you can connect with rachel direct and the, the links will be in the show notes but also you can drop me a line dave at restlessmidlifer.com for any feedback or thoughts or questions for rachel as well so uh thank you again rachel for your time it's been brilliant and uh, we'll catch you next week listeners Thank you for listening. You'll find all show notes, links and resources mentioned at midlifereshape.com forward slash podcast. And it would mean so much if you could spread the word to your fellow restless midlifers. Share the show and links. And if you aren't already, subscribe to the show in your podcast feed of choice. And one more thing. If you enjoy the show, it would be great if you could rate it by visiting midlifereshape.com forward slash review. It would mean so much, and I may even give you a shout-out in return. And a quick final thanks to production assistant Karen North of North VA and for the music, which is called Silver Star by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers at musicformakers.com. Take care for now, and don't forget, you really can reshape your midlife health and rekindle that spirit of adventure.